Hey, church family, thank you for joining us online today. If you have a testimony or a prayer request to share with us, you can text HOTL to 97000. If you would like to partner with us in giving, you can text a dollar amount to 84321. We hope you enjoy the message and have a super great day. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series, and that series is Things That Matter to God. Uh, Pastor Joel uh, opened it up last week. How many of you were here last week? And, and he opened that series up. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down the matter of people, the matter of people. Uh, have you, have you ever, ever looked back in life, and maybe your childhood even, and later understood that what, what, what God was doing in your past to prepare you for the future, that God will do some things, and then years down the road, you kind of look back and go, oh, that's what that was all about. That actually happened to me when I was... Um, Probably sixth grade, seventh grade, I was kind of an aspiring guitar player, and my mom was the activity director for a care facility, an old folks home, and so she used to take me with her, and I would pack my guitar, and I would go from room to room playing, you know, and practicing on all the people that were there. I didn't realize till later that actually God was doing something in my heart that was preparing me for pastoral ministry. And, you know, and, and, and at the time, so, so I, you know, I wonder at times it was kind of brutal for the people that were in there with some of the songs that I was playing, you know, because I'd go in there and I'm trying to play like classic rock songs and, you know, and play some old Neil Young stuff and, you know, and some of the stuff that I was playing. Now I look back and, oh my gosh, can you imagine somebody in that room and I come in there and I'm singing, oh man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were, you know, or whatever. <laughs> or I seen the needle and the damage done, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I was being a blessing. And for them, it was just like, oh, I wonder what this is all about. But what I understood was God was using something in me. He was using circumstances to actually just develop a love for people. And I'm not sure when I fully realized that I just loved people. Um, I looked forward. I looked forward so much. A lot of a lot of kids were like, "I don't like school." I mean, I love school, and I love school because of people. I love teachers, even when they weren't nice to me. But I, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of a smart aleck in class, and I probably deserved everything that I got. But. I just looked forward to it. I looked forward to meeting new kids. Uh, my heart always went out to the picked on kids, you know, the kids that, you know, the last kid on the bus stop that gets on and you know he, you know, he hasn't had a shower for weeks and he's just, you know, he's down and nobody wants to sit by him. And I'm like, my heart just always went out and I didn't realize at the time that God was actually preparing my heart and he was actually putting a love for people in my life. And I love people. The best part of what we do and what I do is people. Sometimes the worst part is people. Can I just be honest with you? Because we're going to talk about people today. And the truth is that all people, not just the ones that you like, have been created in the image of God. And you have never encountered anyone that wasn't valued by God. You have never locked eyes with any person that doesn't have value in God's eyes and in God's heart. 
and doesn't have hope in his heart. Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then we see in Job 12.10, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. You know, in the book of James, James is unpacking the, the dangerous thing that this tongue that we have and he, and he writes this, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So we see that maybe you need to consider that the next time somebody pulls out in front of you. Come on, somebody, I just spoke to somebody today. You know, it, it, like, like Robbie and I were going to Spokane uh, a number of months ago, and there was some snow on the ground, there was some ice on the ground, and you know, I've got kind of, you know, the, the old past of, of driving for UPS for 17 years. So I'm always like, you know, make sure they see you leave yourself an out. Make sure you, I mean, just careful. So I'm just being careful. People are sliding all, and I hear this truck honking, you know, in the back of us, like a couple cars back. And I'm like, oh man, somebody's getting a little, uh, you know, a little irritated back there. And we come up to a stoplight and this lady, uh, probably kind of like more middle-aged lady in this big truck, just roars up behind me, honking the horn, and then she pulls out, and she's mean-mugging me as she goes by, and she's telling me in no uncertain terms that I'm number one. <laughs> and Robbie and I were just like, we were almost laughing. You know, my carnal self wanted to go, hey, lady, do you realize I got Idaho plates on? You may not know what I'm packing in this car. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't, you don't want to mess with me. You don't want to mess with the old me. But there's been a, a spiritual war over people since sin and the curse came to the earth. Because people were created in the image of God to walk with God, to worship God, to serve God, and to partner with God. The fall did not remove the image of God but it ruptured it, it disfigured it, it distorted it, and it brought a mutilation to the Imago Dei that we were created in. The curse of sin also brought a war between people that God created. There's nobody that you've encountered that doesn't have value in the eyes of God. The first family was divided there was murder, there was deception, there was rejection. There's a divisive stronghold and strategy that is constantly at work in our culture. It takes form in politics, in racism, in socioeconomic walls and nationalities and prejudices. Sometimes we're even divided by what part of the state someone comes in from. Can I get an amen? I remember uh, being raised up in eastern Washington, and then deer season, you know, all the people from the Seattle area would come over, and we'd say, oh, here comes the Coasties. And I thought that was just a Washington thing. Well, then I went, one time I went to Montana, and I'm hunting in eastern Montana. We're bird hunting, and, and basically all the people that, that were coming, like, from Kalispell and all that, the, the Eastern Montana people, well, here comes all the coasties. I'm like, man, everywhere we go, there's division. Governments divide. Stereotypes divide. News and media are always dividing people. Social pressures divide. 
those that watch CNN and those that watch Fox News Network. And the goal of all is to divide and destroy people created in the image of God, in the Imago Dei. And this war wears us out. There's always this tension. You're not going to go into one place and not feel this tension if you're spiritually astute. And have you ever said to someone or to yourself, I'm just tired of people? Come on. Have you ever said that? I'm just tired of people. Have you ever said, like, I'm peopled out? I'm peopled out. All I want to look at is my dog, y'all. Right? And sometimes she wears me out. So we have this tension that we walk through. And have you ever wondered why people are so hard to deal with at times? Why, why are they so easily triggered? You know, why, why, why are we so easily triggered? Yeah. You had one job. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I just got triggered by a pulpit. You see? I mean, oh, whoa. No, totally kidding. There is a war on people because people are the goal. The goal are people. And there's a contention. And there's a competition. We also experience social fatigue or social burnout. I, I, I read an article recently about 14, 14, I don't know why it's 14 ways. 14 ways that you can tell if your friends are getting tired of you. 14 ways. I'm like, Lord, I usually can tell in about three ways. 14. It took you 14 to figure this out. Oh my gosh. People. People are complex. People are wonderful and people are terrible in so many ways. But they're people. Uh, the late Robin Williams wrote this. He said, the Statue of Liberty is no longer saying, give me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses. She's got a baseball bat and she's yelling, you want a piece of me? There's something that we have to get a grasp, grasp on as we walk through this thing. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, good people know about both good and evil. Bad people don't know about either. But people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they should matter to us. And when we see the lengths that God went to reach people, to, to, to reach and redeem us, do we have the same passion toward us? How much do people matter to God? We see in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet or still sinners, God, Christ, died for us. People matter to God, and people should matter to us. But the devil wants to have a say in the matter. And he's always working. He's working to try to get you to isolate, to insulate. He's working to get you to withdraw. He's working to get you to be, you know, selfish and, and just kind of, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's all about us. It's all about me. 
but do people really matter to us? Maybe on the good days, but how about on the not so good days? You get up one day and you go, yeah, people are matter to me. And then one day you get up and like, man, I haven't had sleep. I haven't had this. I've got this stressor. I've got this going on. Oh, I just, I'm done with people. Because the enemy is always working. Do we get tired? Do we get triggered? Do we get irritated? Or does our comfort zone keep us from inviting, keep us from welcoming and reaching out? The Barna Group, there's an article in February 5th in, 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 in a magazine called Generations in 2019 that reports that half of Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. Half. Or they feel conflicted about reaching out and sharing their faith to bring somebody into the good news. If people matter to God and people to matter to us, then we should be people that reach people. We should be attracted to broken people. We should be attracted to distressed people, to dysfunctional people, because number one, most all of us are those people. Come on, there ain't nobody that's arrived. Y'all know you got some stuff that God's working on, amen? Amen. The problem is, is that we, you know, God takes us through some steps of wholeness and stuff. And then if you're not careful, self-righteousness comes in and you think, I've arrived. You haven't arrived yet. You know, you're just like dirt and breath. And God is still working on you. He's still working on me. He's still working on how I, how I think and how I act and how I speak and, and the inner things. But from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so a lot of times we're speaking stuff And what's going on is that you realize your heart is actually just revealing what's inside that God wants to change, that God wants to redeem, that God wants to to do something different. And what happens is that it's a heart issue. There's a resistance. And if our hearts are hardened and critical and cynical, then there's really no desire to reach. We get jaded. We may not say go to hell, but what are our actions communicating? What is our lack of care, lack of concern, lack of sacrifice? What's that communicating? Well, I'm going to take a day off today, God. Don't bring no broken people into my life today. Because today's, it's all about me. I'm, I'm having a spa day today, Lord. I don't even know what a spa day is, y'all. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you don't Sabbath. I'm not saying that you don't rest. But I'm saying just overall, sometimes, man, it can be so tough. Do you recognize that when a church grows, many times the resistance is from within, not from without? We had resistance when we went to two services to reach more people. A number of years back. We weren't getting resistance from people on the outside wanting to come in. It was people on the inside not wanting things to change. Seriously, it's an issue. I was talking to you know, one of the things that, that Robbie and I do is we, we help other churches. And we'll, you know, I was preaching at a, another church in, uh, in our region uh, last weekend. And so I was talking to a young pastor and his church is just growing and the tension he has 
is he's got some people that are basically going, man, you need to tell all these kids to stop running around. And, and he doesn't want to go to the new people that are coming in, and they aren't like all church folk. They don't know really how to, they're, they're just coming in because there's life. And so his biggest tension is not teaching, discipling, and all that. It's trying to get the people that have been there for a long time to like be okay with the church changing. It's going to look a little messier than what you want it to look because you looked messy when you came in. Right? I mean, so here it is. Maybe you came in with your 10-pound Bible. Right? But I'm telling you what, so many people, they don't. They're just coming in and they're just going, I heard there's life in this place. I heard there's a city on a hill that it's like, you know, you, it won't be hidden. I heard there's hope here. And they're coming in and they're messed up, jacked up, backed up. And, you, and we have to realize, okay, it's not going to always be pretty. But I'm telling you what, the pressure, we went, we, we were going to go to two services and man, I had people coming up to me and like, what are you going to two services for? You just want a big church. I'm like, no, I want a healthy church. And I got tired of watching people circle the driveway and go out because there wasn't any room. Listen, I'd rather preach one service, a lot easier. I'm preaching my second service, y'all. But maybe I'm going to preach three services or four services because the harvest is ripe and it's ready. And it's about people. It's not about my comfort zone. I might be like, prop me up and give me some caffeine because I got to go to the fourth service. But I'm telling you what, it's about people. Have you ever thought about how much resistance Jesus faced from the people around him, from the disciples? in regards to people he was trying to reach. From the people that were already reached, he was getting resistance. Let's look at the tension that Jesus was faced with. The crowds loved him. They surrounded him. He was drawing the, the broken, the wounded, and they were coming en masse. The problem was the disciples and their attitudes around him. In Matthew 14, we see that Jesus was, was reaching the crowds. He was teaching the crowds. And they were hungry. And the disciples wanted to send them away. They were too much trouble. And Jesus said, no, 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 feed them. If I have to do a miracle, we will do a miracle. But I want you to know how much that I love people. Right? Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Jesus later was approached by a Gentile woman whose daughter was demon-possessed. And the disciples asked Jesus to send her away for she keeps crying out after us and they weren't comfortable with I don't know if I like that ministry that ministry is kind of crazy but you know I just want you to ponder something if you take the ministry percentages that Jesus dealt with just demon possessed oppressed people and you take them out there would be about a third left of miracles it was amazing and yet, well, wait, I'm not comfortable with that. That just looks a little strange. Yeah, it's strange because it's demonic. I mean, if the demonic isn't strange to you, then I don't know what planet you live on. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to the Philippines on a mission trip. And I'd never seen anything like that. And I had a pastor that was, uh, he was Filipino pastor. It's pretty cool because at one point in time, he was the number one 
wanted man in the Philippines, and he converted to Christ, and then he becomes a pastor. That was really cool. So I'm with this pastor in Colorado, and we're and, and he goes, um, he he this, this Filipino pastor goes, um, so can you uh, are you okay with? Uh, uh, I want to go to to the house of a, of a young man that's in our church, and 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 because he has a demon, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, we're good. So I basically said, you know, I'm asking the questions, you know, because you know there's an intellectual part of things. How you know people want to know. So I said, so what? What makes you think that this guy's got a demon in him? And he said, well, he can't quit smoking cigarettes. He can't quit drinking beer. And every time the pastor shows up, he jumps out the window and rolls away, runs away. <laughs> and I'm kind of going, um, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, that's like habits, hurts, hangups, blah, blah, blah. But I'm really not sure if that, well, anyway, we go, we go, and this, this young man comes down and he looks like he's right out of Bible college. I mean, white shirt, clean cut, good looking young guy, probably 25 and very quiet spoken. We put him in a chair and we begin to pray for him and, and, I'm telling you what, all hell started breaking loose. It was crazy. Pretty soon he's on the floor and he's like half levitating. It was like, whoa, you know, and Robbie's behind me and she's like, get out of him in Jesus' name. I'm like, honey, be careful because he's going he's gonna to knock you out, man. I wasn't comfortable with that. But I'm telling you what, there can be a resistance to the people that God is going to bring in. And, and then how about children? Mark 10, 13 through 16, we will unpack this. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Are you kidding me? But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whatever does not receive, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Isn't this crazy? And then in Mark 14, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, were offended when a, when a woman of ill repute, uh, Ill repute uh, a prostitute, a harlot, anointed Jesus with expensive perfume. And they rebuked her. People, children, broken, demon-possessed, women of ill repute would come to him and the disciples would rebuke or try to send them away because they weren't the right kind of people or they were too needy or they were too broken. In Mark 10, the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest. And Jesus had to teach him that serving was their goal. Their priority was off. They were more concerned about position than people. In Luke chapter 9, the disciples saw a man driving a demon out of someone in the name of Jesus, and they had a problem with that because he wasn't one of us. That church doesn't do things like we do. I'm telling you what, we, got it. we, we have to realize, I'd never really seen this until I kind of broke this down and started studying it, that, that Jesus would move, Jesus would minister, Jesus would draw. There was things that, and then people, because of their comfort zones, there was always a, there was always a pressure on him. And I'm like, man, this is pretty crazy. In Luke 19, Jesus was criticized for eating and associating with sinners. 
He was in the crowd, trying to reach the crowd, and was accused of hanging with sinners and publicans. How can we reach people if we isolate? How can we reach people if we insulate? Think about this. The disciples didn't like Samaritans. <laughs> so we had to tell them a parable about a Samaritan and loving their neighbor. This is amazing. The message, you know, one of the things that we do, if you're new here, one of the things that we do is we pray for a local church in our community every Sunday because we want them to basically just be reaching and effective and equipped and powerful to, to pastor our, our community. I have coffee with four, five, six of these guys every week, and man, we get together, and we're, we're running in some different streams, you know, I mean, I'm running in a, a stream of doctrine that maybe they're not in, but we don't, we don't make those the issue, we make Jesus the focal point, and a lot of times it's just like, can we pray for your, your family, your church, your, your whatever, because it's not us four and no more. And that's what Jesus was dealing with a little bit with the disciples. Jesus would draw the crowds, and the people around him didn't always have the right heart and would try to make them go away because there's a strategy. Sometimes our comfort zone keeps us from embracing people who need the gospel, and we forget that people matter to God. If people matter to God, people should matter to us. But here's what happens. In the weight, in the stress, in the weariness and the bitterness and the offense that can come, we lose our feels. We lose our heart. And pretty soon people don't matter. And I believe that Jesus wants to give the heart of the church back to the church. We become calloused, and if I may dare to say it, uncaring. And we need to be reminded that while we were yet sinners, Christ died to save us. I preached a message a few years back on vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. A lot of times we elevate vision. And vision's good because without vision, people perish. But we have this kind of like, oh, this is vision. What a great vision. I'm telling you what, and my understanding of vision, vision is messy. You know why vision is messy? Because people are in vision. And if your vision doesn't include people, then it's not godly vision. Vision is messy and vision includes people. And I believe that we have to get back to that place where we say, you know what? It doesn't, it may not look like uh, my, my comfort zone, it may not look like the church that I was raised up, it may not look like that, you know, that choir and the pipe organ and, and all the, the, the robes and the liturgy. But I'm telling you what, Jesus is about reaching people because people matter to Jesus. And if people matter to Jesus, then people need to matter to us. If people matter, it will change our church. We'll have a church full of reachers that are reaching people. And you may have to scoot over some. You, you'll have the opportunity to teach, to reach, to love, to feed, to care for more people. There are going to be more kids running amok. 
There's going to be more need for maybe another service or so, and there might be need for more building. There might need for more parking lot. There might be whatever. Because if people matter to God, God is about reaching people. And if people matter, there'll be an invitation that you extend. If people matter, there'll be an opportunity to be generous, to give, and to build and to support. People do matter. They, so, so we add value, we add discipleship, we add small groups, and if people will matter, it will cost you something. Talking to a, a young man the other day, and he was shocked at how much it costs to have a girlfriend. <laughs> like, bro, you're just getting going. Actually, I think it's cost her more to have a boyfriend and a husband, because can we... Can, we, can I get an amen? Our toys are always bigger, guys. You know what I'm saying? Okay, thank you, Thomas, for being an honest man. Can I have our worship team come? People matter. So let's pursue people. Come on, we know how to pursue things. This is pretty interesting. I was in the worship in the first service, and I... You know, and I have, you know, like, how many of you have got an app that will just, like, give you a notification? And so I got a notification, and sometimes it's our staff, and we're trying to communicate something. I try not to, you know, be on my phone or whatever, but sometimes it's just like, hey, you know. And so I got a notification, and I happened to look at it, and I was looking at all my apps in, you know, just right here, because I got one of those kind of fancy things right there. And I thought, wow, there's, uh, there's alarms and and there's an app store, and, and there's this app. And then I came across these three green ones, and it just stood out to me. One of them was Find Devices. The second one was Find Items. And the third one was Find People. And man, it just hit me. I thought, you know what? We're pretty good about finding items. We're pretty good about finding our devices. I mean, come on, you want to see somebody all stressed out? I can't find my phone. Can I get an amen from somebody? And I thought, and I thought, you know, we find items. And when we, we want to find items, man, we research it. We, we pursue it. We, we know how to find, we, we know where to find it and all that. And I thought, but what about finding people? Man, I'm telling you what, if we would, if we would put as much and we should put more effort into finding people than we find items, the face of the earth would change because Jesus said the harvest is ripe, it's ready, but pray for the workers are few. I'm like, God, please change our hearts. Change my heart, God. I've, I've allowed cynicism to come in. I've allowed divisive stuff to come in and affect me and kind of make this heart that's supposed to be a heart of flesh and turn it back into a heart of stone. And yet, God, I know that people matter to you. And if they matter to you, I want them to matter to me. If people matter, we need to pursue people. If people matter, we need to treasure and honor people. If people matter, we need to protect people. If people matter, we need to teach people. If people matter, we need to partner with God in, in, in the healing of people. And if people matter, we need to invite people. The Bible says that Jesus saw the crowds that were harassed and without a shepherd, and he had compassion, and he began to teach them. 
Compassion will lead you to teach. Compassion will lead you to reach. Compassion will lead you to get outside of your comfort zone and realize that person that you that you work with, that person at school, that person in the marketplace, there's something in them that their brokenness should attract the grace of God that's in you. Ask the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit if you need to get your feels back. There's been times, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, that I've had to pray, God, give me my feels back. Because I'm not celebrating at weddings and I'm not crying at funerals. I feel so flat because of the pressure of life and people and divisive stuff. And I need to not be in that place. I can't stand to be in that place. I need to get my feels back. I need you to touch this heart and soften this heart and cause me once again to have a burden for people. the Holy Spirit if you need to get your feels back. Most every person here has been hurt by people, harassed by people, treated unfairly by people. And the enemy uses that stuff to harden our hearts towards people. And then he's got us exactly where he wants us. And we're exactly where God doesn't want us. It's all designed and used by the enemy to keep us from reaching and connecting with people. If you're here this morning, I just want to take a moment. And maybe you can relate to what I'm trying to communicate to you. You realize, man, my heart's my heart's hard. I don't feel that compassion. I know I should. It's, it's, I know I should, but it's not here. Jesus, please help me. If that's you, you're realizing you've just been caught up in the circle and the cycle, and you realize, man, search me, oh God. Try me, oh God. See if there be. If that's you and you realize, God, I need my feels back. I need my compassion. I need healing. I need encouragement. I need joy so that basically I can move forward in a new and fresh way and that people will matter to me again. Maybe you're even here and you've said, I've realized that people just have not mattered to me the way that I know they should. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray. I just feel like God is going to bring some healing and God is going to bring some stirring and God is going to bring some just revitalization of our feels, if I can use that word. God, all over this building, I pray that your compassion would just flow. God, your compassion and your grace for us and then let compassion and grace flow from us to your people. God, the people that we that we can, that we connect with, that you put us in in a relationship with God, I just praise you and thank you. But soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. There used to be an old Keith Green song. He talked about this heart of mine. Soften it up. He said, My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. What can be done? For this old heart of mine, soften it up with oil and wine. 
God, please soften our hearts because people matter to you. And we want people to matter to us. I want to say this to someone in this room this morning or maybe online. You were created in the image of God. You were created in the Amago Dei, the image of God. He's reaching to you through Jesus. And when you take that step to believe and have faith in Jesus, the Bible says that you are the redeemed of the Lord. The Bible says that you have been made right by God. The Bible says that you are more than conquerors. The Bible says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. The Bible says that you are a child of the Most High, that you are a son, and that you are a daughter. The Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. The Bible says that you are the temple of God. The Bible says that you belong to Christ. The Bible says that you are complete in Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. And you've been seated with him in heavenly places. The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God. Not because of what you've done, but because you've taken the step and you say, I surrender, I need a Savior. Please forgive my sin. I will follow you. If that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, with every head bowed and eye closed, just for a moment, if you're saying, I've become today a follower of Jesus, Please forgive my sin. I want you to raise your hand. I want to agree with you. Heaven's going to rejoice with your decision. You, maybe you've never taken that step to say, today I've become a follower of Jesus. Come on, you're worth waiting. Right now, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and you know where you're at, you know you're at with your relationship with God, and you're saying, today... Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Thank you for your love for me, for your compassion for me. Here's what I want to do this morning. If you're here and you're saying, maybe you're here this morning and you you want to get baptized. We're going to worship for just a few more minutes this morning. And we have people that are up here And if today's the day for you to make that public profession of faith and be water baptized, then we're going to make room for you to do that. Come on, can we stand to our feet this morning? And we've got some prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you're the person out there that you're going, man, my heart's been hard and I need some help. Maybe you're the person out there that says, man, I'm broken and I need some help. You're the person that says, man, my finances are just in a wreck and I need some help. Maybe you just, uh, there's somebody here that you said, I, I, need, I need a job, and, and whatever it is. But our prayer teams are up here on my right and on my left. And if you want to get baptized, we're just, we're just going to worship and ask the worship team to just lead us for a, a few more minutes this morning. But come up if any of these things, if you gave your life to Jesus today, go over to my left, and there's a couple ladies over there. They want to resource you. They want to pray with you. We do this together. We do this in community. If you're online with us, there's a, there's a link that you can text. You can text as far, and, and, and maybe today, even online, you know, please text HOTL 297000. And you're saying today, I want to, I want to commit my life to this Jesus. 
and I thank you. Can we just worship? of our hearts is so critical to us being willing to just reach people and because you know when you reach out to people then there's you feel responsible and sometimes you get kind of drug into the you know in, in, into the sandbox into the cleanup on aisle five but I'm telling you what what Jesus did for us on the cross always always inspires me recognizing that I can do, I can, I can move, I can be, I can be part of what he wants to do. But but here's the other thing, not only the condition of our hearts, but I realize that courage, it takes courage. I think we know that obedience is always what God wants rather than sacrifice. 
but it takes courage to obey. And a lot of times, the things in life, if we're not careful, have discouraged us. And I want to pray for courage for the church this morning. I want to pray that, that there's a, a spirit of fear that's broken. The Bible says that you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And, and I, I just like us to raise our hands to the Lord all over this building this morning. And, and Jesus, I pray right now, the harvest is worth it. The people are worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. The reaching is worth it. But God, I pray, I know the enemy wants to come in and he wants to basically dis courage us. He wants to bring fear of rejection, fear uh, that, that basically we don't step forward into these things. And I ask that in the name of Jesus, that God, you break that thing, you break that thing that the enemy would superimpose over us this morning, that you would break that over the church, that the church would move in glory, that the church would move in courage, that the church would move in a powerful way, that God, we would be willing to be uncomfortable for, 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 for the, the sake of the harvest. And I praise you and thank you today. And I give you the glory in the name of Jesus. And if you receive that, would you put your hands together and give Jesus a praise this morning. Listen, we're going to stay up here. We're going to minister to people for a, for a little bit this morning. If you need to go, God bless you. If you're a visitor this morning, thank you for being with us. We have a, a gift for you as you leave. The information desk is on the left as you, you leave. But listen, God bless you. Reach, invite, stretch, be a little uncomfortable. Amen. And may God's face shine on you. And the favor of the Lord be with you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen.